Alright, well we'll get it set up and everything so that we can uh, catch all this good stuff. Well, Brian, welcome to our Badge Educator Podcast. We Penny and I are looking at just starting to talk to some teachers that are doing brave, enduringly great things in the classroom. And I know that you have for a long time been doing some brave, enduringly great things. And I'm excited about hearing more about those things. While they're, well, while they're my, when they come into my school, I think I would, I would say that uh, it's going to be a lot to take in because I'm not in a traditional classroom. Um, I'm in a wood shop. And so I think the first thing that they're going to notice is all of the hand tools and power tools that middle schoolers get to use. And so it's pretty breathtaking when you sit back and go, wow. This, these are the equipment that these guys get to use to make things, yes. But I think the thing that I would want them to take notice of or to do while they're in my classroom would be to talk to the kids, find out why is this class different? Now, obviously the tools and you know it's not your typical classroom, but I think if people would come in and talk to my students, they would learn a lot about what's going on in this classroom because it's not just building wood stuff. What kind of tools? Oh, okay. So sixth grade, we stay with basic hand tools, right? So we have miter saws, we have sanding uh, tools, we have uh, coping saws, uh, we have uh, uh, anything that you would have to smooth up an object, you know, so different grits of sandpaper, things like that. So they, they're, they're actually making cell phone stands, right? Everybody has a cell phone. And so they're making phone stands. And so I get them for eight weeks and I have uh, four groups. I have, they come one, they come every quarter. And so I get two groups each quarter. So I end up having eight groups of uh, sixth graders throughout the year. So it's pretty quick. I got to teach them safety, you know, get them going. And then we build their phone stands. Seventh and eighth grade, I get the opportunity to have for a semester long. And so I have two groups of seventh grade, two groups of eighth grade each semester. Um, and they, the seventh graders get to be inside of a box of three main projects, something that, that is with a, a, a box, something with a cutting board, uh, or something with a Chromebook stand. Now I say something because we're going to get into, into it here in a little bit. But if you can look at, if you can picture those devices in your head, you know, a cutting board flat, a box four sides at the bottom, um, or a Chromebook stand, uh, something that holds a Chromebook up or something, you can see those in your head. But you're going to find out that there's more to it than that. And then in eighth grade, it sky's the limit. They get to make what they what they have a need for, and and so. I guess if you'd like, I could jump right into that. Uh, my my classroom, uh, it, what you'll notice on the wall is if you see a need, do something about it. And so this is the same concepts that I was using in elementary that I use in middle school, uh, because ultimately life is more than just what's going on. And so what's cool being in the wood shop, I get girls, I get boys, that some of these guys are never gonna touch anything again. They're not gonna touch tools, this is not their thing. Or I'm going to get kids and plant some seeds that, wow, someday they're going to be a husband or a wife. They're going to go, hey, we need this. Wait, I can make it. I know how to do this. Um, and so what I start right off the bat, day one, is talking to them about is if you see a need and do something about it. And so while I realize not all kids are going to go into, my, into this profession, even though this profession is really well needed, a lot of people won't go into uh, the skilled trades. But I tell each and every one of the children, guess what? Every one of you are going to get better. Now, it might be better at building things with wood, or it might be better at seeing needs and doing something about it, because that's what you're going to hear this entire quarter, semester, however long in my class. And so I start off with showing them uh, random acts of kindness videos about one to three minutes, twice or three times a week. It's just videos that you can find on the internet that are people seeing a need 
and doing something about it. At the beginning, you know, I'm stopping the video going, what was the need here? Well, the grandpa fell out of the wheelchair. Yeah, but did you see three people walk past him? But the fourth one saw the need and did something about it. They all saw the need, but only one decided to do something. And so as I'm talking about safety, I'm teaching them about seeing needs and doing something about it. And then when it comes to their projects, seventh grade and eighth grade, sixth grade, like I said, they, they only have a short time. So they get the, if you see a need, do something about it, but they're gonna build a phone stand. But the uh, seventh and eighth graders now, they have to think about what need do they have in their life? And so that box that I talked about in seventh grade, they can make a cat box. So if they want to make a box for their kitty cat, that's the need. They want their cat to sit in the window. So now they can make a window box for their cat. Or some kids, mom is always complaining about where the remotes are. So they can build a remote tray for the remotes in the house so they can put all the remotes into this tray. So they're looking for needs. One kid, uh, all his clothes are on the floor and his mom is always on him. Like, I really need a clothes hamper. Well, it's a box still. It just happens to be a really tall one. So uh, again, they're trying to think of needs that they can meet with it. And then in um, eighth grade, sky's the limit. They come up with ideas, uh, what needs they could do. Like one little girl, she had a pretty two big dogs and she made a water bowl holder for food and water and a stand. And it was, it was pretty neat. Um, but the one that touched me the most this year, and this one's hard, but uh, there's a little guy who couldn't afford my class. And it, that's okay, because we will take care of them. And um, so when it came to his turn to figure out what his need was, he his need was him and his sister share a bunk bed. And he's a he's an eighth grader, and she was in like fifth grade. And the only way that she could get up on the bunk bed was to climb up the post, because they didn't have anything for her to get up, like a ladder or anything. So guess what his need was? A ladder. And I am telling you, he built this ladder, solid chair. I mean, it, it was beautiful. But the need was... He needed to have his sister be safe getting up on her bunk bed. So that is what I would say is probably some of the brave things that I'm doing in my classroom is just planting seeds that, hey, guys, there's needs everywhere. Sometimes you might have the skill set to make it with your with your hands, or sometimes it might be just walking down the street seeing a need. But either way, after you leave my class, you're going to hear a lot about needs. And what's really cool is uh, as this goes takes off, Students, I encourage students to to email me needs that their family or they meet outside of school or even in school. And so if you email me, I can use your name or I can keep your name silent because some kids don't want to hear the name. But uh, and let me know if I can use your story. And that's how it builds. All of a sudden, one kid talks about how he saw his neighbor's trash can in the middle of the street. And so he put it back up on the carport for him. Well, then a couple of days later, another kid starts talking about trash can. And before you know it, I'm driving down my subdivision looking at trash cans going, hey, is there a need for the trash cans, you know? And so it's just kind of bizarre how it takes off. But once they are trained that there's needs out there, it really changes the culture of the classroom and in our school. Because I actually have a group of kids who now they walk through our school looking for needs. And they ask the teacher, hey, I see your stool is broken. Can we fix that for you? And they will bring that stool to my classroom and they will fix that stool for her. So to me, they're doing the grown up things that they're going to be doing here in the future. And now they have a skill set that they can do. And most importantly, whether they do it with their hands or not, they're making a difference. Wow, Brian, I am. I don't know about you. I'm just blown away right now. My um, I'm a reti retired principal. So just to hear you talking about, you are teaching children how to um, um, adhere to the standards that I'm sure that are set before you. But bigger than that, you are teaching them those social and emotional skills that they need to help themselves and others. If you see a need, do something about it. So talk to me a little bit about 
In every classroom, there's a child that may try to hide. I don't think they hide in your, no. talk to me about that. In fact, sometimes those are the most challenging because, you know, I'm still a male. And a lot of times it might, you know, it might be a female who's, you know, going through a lot at home or going through a lot with friends. Um, and I'll give you a story. Uh, this little girl, um, she had a pronoun and uh, she came in my room the third day and she looked really sad. And I came up to her and I said, uh, I know she looks sad today. Would you like to talk? You know, she's like, yeah, could we go in the hallway? I'm like, absolutely. And I should say he, I'm sorry. And um, so I said, so what's going on? She goes, you know, I hate being in your class. I was like, wow, okay. Can mm. you tell me why? She goes, yeah. Or he goes, yeah, I have no friends. And so mm. I was like, mm, I can appreciate how you feel right now because it feels lonely, doesn't it? She's like, yeah, because I'm. Her, it was a first hour for us. And um, I said, so can I ask you, what strategies have you used so far that hasn't worked? How have you tried to meet friends in this classroom? She goes, well, none. I said, well, can I tell you what I've observed so far in the first three days in class? I said, what I've observed, you come to class, you're usually one of the first ones there. You open up a book, which I love readers, and you're reading every day. And so what your body language tells me as a person just, just observing is I don't want to talk to anyone. And so I'm going to keep my head in the book until the bell goes off. And then I'm going to put my book away because you're a great student. You have a lot there that I could tell that you want to share a lot, but you're closing yourself off. And she said, and he said, well, I haven't tried anything else. And so I thought, well, Maybe that's a good chance to try something. What would you like to try? And, you know, she um, started tearing up and she and he said, I just don't know. And I said, OK, how about this? When you get working on your first project, let's find out who's using the same skill you are. And let's just see if we can ask for help from that person to help you. And that's what we did. In a couple of weeks, we started uh, her first project and she needed to do some knockouts. And so a girl was next to her doing the same thing. And I just said, Hey, would you mind helping us over here? We're struggling with this. How, how, how do you do this? And then that little girl started talking and the rest of the semester, cause I had her first semester, she fit in. So yeah, those are hard, but you know, going through, when they see the videos throughout the week and they hear the stories, everyone has a story and everyone also mm. has a need. And um, sometimes we don't want to share our needs because we're embarrassed, you know? Um, and this, this little one was, you know, she was embarrassed. Um, but and being a male, and it was a, again, it's my first time in middle school, I was really trying to dance the line of how do I approach the student? You know, I just wanted to make sure I kept calling her the name, because if I said she, then I, I would say, I'm sorry, because, you know, it was wrong. And so I just kept trying to use the name to, to be correct. And um, the thing that blew me away was in elementary school, I was spoiled with gifts, right? Um, it, it, it was just one of those things. And I get to middle school, I'm like, I wonder how this is going to turn out, you know? And I'd say I probably got about eight or 10 gifts after that first semester, but I got a written note and a book from this little girl and it was about needs. And so I, I would just say, I felt like it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, all, all knowing, you know, stuff, but she was, she, she was connected. Oh my gosh. You're not so supposed to make us cry on this. Okay. <laughs> That is awesome. You're destroying Brian. me right now. <laughs> that is awesome. You know, it's just that we all we all have this, you know, and and people talk about, well, how can you go from elementary to doing what you're doing? Well, it's funny how the last 20 years I've been doing this stuff on the outside, right? And sometimes we're doing things that we don't even know we're being prepared for. I had no idea, A, that this job existed, but B, that I ever get a chance to do it. But what I would tell you is I needed to do excellence when I was building my house, building my in-laws house uh, and learning those things. 
not knowing it was gonna be prepared for something else. Um, but really what we have to do as teachers is we have to be the expert. And it doesn't mean we have to be the know-it-all, but we have to be the expert. And once we're the expert, now we have the poker chip. That poker chip is what gets us in the game of teaching. And a lot of people don't understand this. You have to be an expert just to get in the game of, of making life change to help kids. Some people go into the industry and they think, I'm just going to go in and help kids, but they don't have the expertise behind it. And if you don't have that, kids can sniff it out and they see, they know who the fakes are. But if I do excellence, they, they're attracted to that. And now it gives me a platform to speak to them in their life. And uh, it's just a powerful thing. And it's, it's definitely a win-win. I mean, I always used to say when I was in elementary, I get, you know, people like, oh, why'd you, why'd you switch careers? Because I'm from, I'm a sales guy, made decent money back in the day. And I said, you know what? I get paid more than anybody, but my pay comes in hugs. And uh, that's what I would say for my entire career because I would get little kindergartners walking down the hall who I didn't even have in my class. They would come up and give me a hug. Hey, Mr. Tenney, can't wait to be in your class. So I was already getting my next group, you know. Well, I get to middle school and I learned real quickly that I can't be hugging middle school girls. That's not a good thing. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, where's my pay going to come from? You know? And so I, I actually sat down with my wife and said, okay, I got this little girl who comes up to me and hugs me every day. How should I handle this? She said, I think you should just tell her a one on one. And here's what I told her I am new to middle school. And I'm not real sure how this is all working. I know you're a sixth grader and you're new to middle school, but I don't think it's necessarily the most appropriate thing for me to hug you. But could we do pounds every time we see each other? Because I want you to come up to me and, you know, I still want that interaction, but I don't think it's appropriate to hug. And I thought for sure I was going to lose her, but I did not. She would come to me even after the quarter was over to give me my pounds each morning. So um, <laughs> I get paid by pounds now, I guess. <laughs> that is so cool. You're part British getting your pounds. Yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So Brian, you said that um, you used a lot of the same stuff in elementary school as well. Some of the same see a need and, and do something about it. How did that look in elementary? Because it looks like you're doing a great job in middle school. How did that look in elementary? Well, it was really cool in the fact that it really helped the culture of the classroom. It was easier for the little guys because they're the ones that are willing to just jump out of their comfort zone right away. So it could start off as, as easy as a kid drops his pencil box and pencils goes everywhere. All of us notice it, but only two people went and helped. And so I'm like, wow, you guys saw the need and you did something about it. Yeah. And I promise the rest of the year, if anybody dropped anything, it was taken care of. And it was amazing. Um, another need with uh, having when guests come into my classroom, like right now, I have to, everybody has to have safety goggles on. And so I tell the students, hey, this is your classroom. It's not just mine. It's our classroom. So if you see a guest come in, you need to ask if they're going to be here for a little bit because if they are, get them some glasses. Well, in elementary, it was, hey, if you see a guest come in, I'm in the middle of teaching. This is your classroom too. Go up to them and introduce yourself. Hey, my name's so-and-so. Welcome to our class. How can I help you? And I don't care if it's a principal. I don't care if it's a custodian, whatever it is. And so see the need of someone coming in because you guys know what it feels like when you come into a room and you don't, you don't know when to talk to someone. But if someone came up to you, it'd be a lot easier, wouldn't it? And so it's just that leadership of bringing these little things up. And once it happens, they just take it to the next level, you know, like walking down the hall and they see a kid drop something or teacher, boom, they're on it. Right. Um, so the stories, the hard ones are when these little guys, when they do something financially for someone else, because I tell the parents. So I, I back when I was in elementary, I'd show the parents, hey, this is. I bring them in for a two-hour conversation so I could tell them what their kids are going to go through. It's not just elementary class. There's something bigger. And I would teach them what I was going to do. And part of that teaching was, if you see me, do something about it. And I said, I'm going to tell you a story because I'm not here to take your money. I'm here to make a difference. But it's still, ultimately, you as a parent, you're going to be the ones who are responsible for letting this happen or not. Well, I had this little boy who went to a basketball camp uh, over the summer. So I didn't even have the kid anymore. 
the mom contacts me in the summer and says, Mr. Tinney, I need to talk to you. I'm like, oh, it's in the summer. What's happening? And uh, so she, I get on the phone with her and she goes, you know what? Um, Braden did something that blew me away and I need to let you know about it. I says, it's good or bad. She's like, no, it's good. I'm like, okay. You know, I had no idea, you know, where we were headed. <laughs> he goes, she gives him money for snacks and uh, lunch at the camp because it's, they get a snack and they get a lunch if they didn't bring their own lunch. So she gave him the money. And so he goes to camp and for snack time, he said that he didn't use any of his snack money. And then, so at lunch, he brought his own lunch that day. And so he told his mom, I ate my own lunch. She's like, well, how, can I have my money back? He goes, I don't have your money. She's like, what do you mean? She said, well, he said, I noticed that the little guy next to me didn't have a snack. He didn't have his own lunch. So the mom, I saw him and I did some amount and I gave him your money to him so he could have his lunch. And so uh, that's why I front load a lot of conversations. I'm like, hey, I'm not looking for you guys to give away your money. You're going to see stories. You're going to hear stories that I'm going to share that has something to do with money, but it's more than just money. And also you need your parents' permission. So, uh, you know, just little things like that. And like I said, these guys, they, they believe it, they take it, and they go further than I would ever expect them to go. And that's what just makes it so magical. You know, like it's like their day. They can't wait to get there to find out who had done a need. And so I didn't, I wasn't sure about the middle school, but what I find with the middle school is more times than not, they will email me the stories and they can write such amazing details compared to elementary kids. Uh, but then they'll just say, Hey, don't use my name. And so I'll tell that story to every single class all day long. And when they come in that class, I'll just be telling the story and give them that eye look and just keep moving on. And so never using their names, but their, their influences uh, impacting each class. Well, Brian, the mustard seeds you have planted, even you're making a lifetime uh, impact on these children, whether they're elementary or middle, you're still making the impact. You've paid it forward. So it's just, it's just exciting to hear, number one, your passion come through so fully uh, for these children. And, um, and I taught middle school for years, sixth mm -hmm. grade. And these are children who still need someone to say, hey, this is our way of we're going to have a hug. This is our hug, our fist bump, our high fives, whatever, our, just so that you know I see you. I acknowledge you and I believe in you. So to hear you talk about what you have done for children who a lot of times receives more negative descriptors instead of those positives, it's just fascinating. You see a need, do something about it. I think that's a lesson for adults too. <laughs> yeah. Well, need, can I share complain. something pretty? What can you do about it? Go ahead, share on. <laughs> uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she just graduated college and she's going to be an eighth grade middle school science teacher. And so my wife and I went up and set up, she's not in our district, she's at a, a neighboring district, but uh, she did it on her own is what she'd like to tell people. Like my mom and dad had nothing to do with it. So, you know, I get it. Um, I, I don't think, I, I do think we'll steal her at some point, but you know, uh, but uh, we're setting up her classroom with her. And I went down to the copy room to make some things for her. And when I got back, here is what she had her mom do on her front podium. Can you see that? If you see a need, do something about it. Oh, my goodness. Yes, you know you impacted your daughter. Go on and let your tears flow. It's okay, so, Brian. It's okay. <laughs> and just we want educators phenomenal. to sing. That's why, um, you know, um, God placed on Heath this inspiration for us to get teachers to talk about what they're doing to impact our children. It is so amazing to hear. It's phenomenal. And it's worth it. Hugs, 
tons of your greatest paycheck. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. What do you think? Well, and, and we talk about, you know, a lot of times the kids are getting worse and worse, you know, and mm-hmm. I think teachers obviously understand that it's really not the kids because it's what the kids are allowed to do and the disrespect they have. And you know what? I came from a really, really messed up home. And so that's the kids I, I tend to relate to the most. I had this student who was an eighth grader. The guy's a man. I mean, he literally, he is six two, probably 280, big guy. First, first day I meet him, I'm like, wow how you doing? You know, and he's a big dude. Third day, fourth day of class. Uh, one of my other littler kids come in and he's scared. And he says, I don't want to sit by him today. I'm like it's first hour. Right. So I'm like, okay, what happened on, you know, in the cafeteria or whatever? He goes, I just don't want to sit by him. I'm like, okay, sit here and we'll talk, you know? So I knew something was up. So I waited out the hallway, greeting the kids. And this, this gentleman came up. And, and so I said, Hey, you got a second. And he had both his fists clenched. And he was ready for some business. And I'm telling you, this boy was going to hurt this little guy. So I pull him aside and just said, hey, uh, what's going on? I, I see, I, I saw the other guy walk in. He said he wants to sit by you today. I have a feeling something's going on. I'm new to this whole middle school thing. And he happened to be a new student at our school. And he, he transferred in from St. Louis. And so he's a big guy. And he didn't know anybody either. But this other guy was talking trash about him. And so he said, Mr. Tenney, this kid was saying bad things about me. And so all I wanted to do was meet him in the bathroom. <laughs> I'm just like, huh, okay. And I was like, uh, well, I know the other little guy, and I have a feeling he really wouldn't have a shot. But let's think big picture here. You're going to hurt that kid, and, you know, he talks some trash, and he probably learned his lesson. But what's the rest of us going to think about you? We're going to be scared of you, and we're going to fear you, and that's going to want to make us pull away from you and not get to know you because I don't want to be hurt like the other kid and said – so I was like, so I'm not telling you what to do because I can't control you. You do what you need to do, but I will do what I need to do. But I just think that you have a lot more to offer. I have barely got to know you yet. Uh, I would, I just don't think you want to do this. But you know what? Life is. Life happens. It's not how, what happens in life. It's how you handle it that matters. So I'll be watching. But you know, I hope you make the right choice. A couple of days later, of course, the principal had pulled him out in the office and find out that whole situation, and uh, the kid actually admitted because he was denying it there for a while he went back to the principal he said you know what i did say some stuff about him you know he was a threat to him playing football he's bigger kid so he's like oh this new kid's gonna take my position but that kid ended up you know in my class for a whole semester the second semester he came to my class for every time he finished math every time he'd finished a class the principal and i we were trying to build a relationship with this guy he said he has access to your room anytime i said i'll take him every time i can get him and my principal had a tree struck by lightning a cedar tree and my principal said, man, I'd really like to have a tabletop made out of this. And I said, I know who's going to make you that tabletop. And so he made him a cedar tabletop. And it took us the entire second semester to do it because it was only on little snippets of time. He'd come into my classroom. I'd say, OK, go get set up and I'll, I'll come talk to you. Uh, but uh, at the end of the year, they got a picture together where my principal was retiring. And that was his gift. You know, it was just something very special because uh, the kid ended up making positive impact, which if he had just done what he wanted to do, things could have turned for him. You have helped him to stand tall, taller, in a respectful way. Wow, that's awesome. Mm. Brian, we've heard like probably from teachers that feel more burnt out, more exhausted, more like there are so many pressures, so many things going on. 
and you exude the opposite. You just like have all this positive energy coming out of you. And like, I know what I need to do. I'm going to make it happen. Like, where does that come from? How can you share that with others? Um, it's, it's a fine line to be able to share it because I would tell you, um, when someone's done it for you first, you have an indebtedness and all you want to do is live that out. And, and if you're really thankful for someone changing your life, you'll live it out. If you're not, you know, you, you can kind of be wishy-washy, but, uh, I told you I was raised in a really rough home. I mean, there was some really stuff that kids don't need to be seeing as growing up. Uh, my life didn't change till I was about 18 and I, I needed a, a change. I was going down the same path that my parents went down and, uh, Honestly, you know, God came into my life and changed the trajectory of what I was going down. And uh, that change sparked me. I was in sales. I went into sales for uh, college. And after four years of doing it, I, I, I was doing well, but there was something missing. And that missing was to be able to give back to so many kids who have a burden in life because we can't control who we're born in. We can't control what other people do to us, but we can control how we manage it. And uh, I just feel led to, to touch those kids. And the only way I get to touch those kids, if I become an expert with all kids, if I get the opportunity to get into a classroom. And so um, we, my wife and I, for about 10 years before we started having children, uh, we worked uh, with high school kids at our church. And so that was kind of the precursor, kind of like me building houses with the precursor to where I'm at now. I was in sales working with kids and then one day I came home, I said, I think I'm supposed to be a teacher. And she's like, uh, you're, you're not supposed to, you just don't think that. And I'm like, okay. So it took us about eight months for me to kind of quit my sales job to, to go back to school. But uh, it's that indebtedness, you know, I mean, I know where my life was headed and someone believed in me. And then so many people came around me to help me through those processes, whether it was financial or whatever, it's just setting me up to see different. And that's all I want to do every day is these kids are expecting a good day and I would tell you the notes that I would get the most often from the middle school, which, like I said, I'd only get about 15, 20 notes, but it would be, Mr. Teddy, this is the class I look forward to every day. And it may only be a semester long, but, you know, it's like, wow. So I know they're listening, even though they won't, you know, you, you don't know, uh, they are. And I'm hitting them right there in their heart and their soul. And uh, uh, I just feel like I have an indebtedness that I want to be able to, to share what, you know, to share the joy that I've been given that, hey, you guys get joy when you serve someone. I don't care how bad your day is. In fact, I had a friend who um, his wife died of cancer and he went through the whole process of her losing all the weight and just terrible situation. And so it was a couple years later and I'm a young married guy, you know, and I'm like, uh, can I talk to you? I said, I just, he's remarried. And I'm like, how did you, how did you ever get past it? You know, you lost your wife, you walked her down. It was your first love. And he said, man, what I did was I made myself serve someone the next day. I was like, what do you mean? He's like, I knew if I got up with the purpose that I had to do one thing to serve someone, I would have purpose. And that's what I would do. And so every day I got up and looked for someone to meet. And that probably has something to do with me seeing a need and do something about it. That, you know what, no matter where you're at in life, you see a need and do something about it. It's going to change where you're at just for that day. And sometimes that's my, that might be what you need for that day. Right. And I was just thinking too, like not everyone has the same story, the the background that you did and everything. Um, but I know gratitude is powerful. And I think there are people that have spoken into our lives. Maybe it wasn't as dramatic, but there are always people that you can look to as far as they made an impact. And I can be grateful. I'm indebted somehow to the people that poured into me. And so trying to to focus on that, remember that 
and and to be able to to pass that along would be powerful too. Does that make sense? Yeah, because I had a teacher my senior year, so my junior year, I'm raised in the home that I was raised, and my we got transferred to Chrysler in Kokomo, Indiana. I was a pretty good athlete, I thought. Uh, I was from a small pond. I was really good in a small pond, got to the ocean. But uh, I got up to Indiana my senior year. That's the year that you're going to you know, rule. And I was a five foot four white guy that looked like I had no skill. And I had zero friends. And I started getting mad at people like, what the heck, you know? And then all of a sudden, I realized, how am I treating people, right? And one day, my psychology teacher, I'm a senior in a junior level class. It's psychology, right? So it's all juniors. And she pulled me aside one day and she said, Brian, because I was the class clown. I was, a, you know, like I said, I was on a different path back then. And she said, all these juniors, they look up to you. You're leading them. But you're leading them the wrong way. I think you ought to change and start to lead them the right way because they're going to follow you, but you're going to impact them. How do you want to impact them? And then when I graduated, she wrote me this letter that I kept for like 20 years uh, just encouraging me. And I only had that lady for a semester, my senior year, because that semester I moved back home so I could graduate with my friends. My parents stayed up in Indiana, but I moved back home with friends. But you're right. For her to see this guy who was the athlete that was the punk that was all selfish, she pulls me out in the hallway and says, you're a leader. I'm like, I've been called a lot of things, but that's not one of them. And uh, mm -hmm. she said, no, really, they're following you. But they're following you to goof off. They're following you to do all these things because you're just trying to joke around. Maybe you ought to use your leadership for a different way. And then we walked back in the classroom. I mean, it was, a, it was a thought process. It wasn't she was demanding it. She was just like, hmm, you're leading. How do you want to lead? And uh, you're right. So that probably was a precursor so I could understand the real one that was coming, you know, that, wow, I could do something different with my life if I chose. Thanks for sharing that story. Brian, is there one thing right now that's giving you joy? like something within the last week that is giving you joy. Maybe it's something in the yard that you're, you're able to work on. <laughs> well, what's bringing me joy is uh, I've always told my wife that um, I, when I was getting into the industry, it just seemed like people would get their shoulder tapped that, Hey, I think you ought to be in this position. Hey, I think you ought to do this. People can see your giftedness. And so mm -hmm. I was in t elementary, which I loved elementary, but I always told her every now and then I'd be like, no one's ever came up and tapped me on the shoulder. I'm just shocked that, you know, there hasn't been anything else. Like I'm the guy that's in the trenches and that's where I belong because I get in the administration stuff. Sorry, but, uh, but no, uh, you know, I, I actually got my master's in that and I'm like, no, but, uh, uh, I just never got tapped. And then here one day, my wife tapped me on the shoulder and said, I think I found your dream job. And so what's really <laughs> funny, I'm always like, man, I can't believe I have this amazing job. I'm also more shocked that it was you that tapped me. I thought it would be somebody else like in leadership or something, you know? So <laughs> what brings me joy, Heath? is that you tapped me on the shoulder. You mm -hmm. reached out and said, hey, I think you have something you need to share. And I think that's really what life is all about. Because guess what you're doing? You're tapping me saying, hey, here's a platform. We need to hear your story. And you guys are creating a platform so people can let their story out. And I think, wow, you saw something in me that had, had value. And that brings me joy. I mean, I've been looking forward to this all week. And then uh, that really brings me joy, guys. I mean, because what you're doing here is you're trying to make sure that there's other people that are getting their cups full so they can go back out in the trenches and be effective because that's what we all need because it is hard. You asked, you know, you talk about the difficulty. Elementary school teachers, I was one, I would tell you they have to spend 20,000 plates the entire day and the entire year. And it is burdensome because they used to be journalists, but now they're experts in everything. 
it doesn't matter. They're experts. Middle school, we only have about 5,000 plates to spend. It's just that those plates are bigger. They're more, the content is thicker. And so, uh, yeah, we get to specialize, but it's only 5,000 plates. It's not 20,000. So I think the burden alone with all the needs that these kids are coming in with, back in the day, I felt like the parents were, they understood their role of helping with the social and emotional. They, they felt like they helped out a lot. Now the burden is being passed on to the educators saying, oh, here's our kid. We're dropping them off. And we, you know, we're hoping you'll fix them. Well, we only get to plant the seeds. You're actually the ones who can, you know, water those things. You can actually, you know, show, you know, lead it. And, you know, a lot of our parents, they do that, but there's some that don't, you know, and it's just, it's just hard. So the burden's there, but when we get in this little huddle and we're like, okay, we may be only be a few getting something done, but we're getting something done. And I like what you're doing and I'm going to try this. Um, it just, you know, empowers all of us. So I guess, thanks for tapping me on the shoulder. It gives me joy. It's your story, your story that's is we're hoping or we're not even hoping we know will impact and encourage other educators or non-educators, Prime, because you have said so much that I, I mean, we could go on and on just so that everyone knows that it's so worth it to hear you talk about how your words, how they impact children, how you soften hardened hearts because no one has taken the time to show them their worth. And educators, we, you talked about how educators, especially on that elementary end and as an elementary, former elementary principal, I get that. They do spend tens and 10 plates at a time. And then what about children? What about the plates they're spinning? And no one is telling them to drop one or two. We're, we're jumping them saying, what's wrong with you? Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? So you keep tapping those kids, Brian, and you keep encouraging others to don't see their problems, see the need. See the need. Absolutely. And the need will take care of the problems. <laughs> That's awesome, Brian. Brian. I applaud you. Thank you. Awesome. This has been amazing. Yeah, thank you for, for pouring into kids. Thanks for this message that I think is going to pour into a lot of teachers and adults too. So that's that's amazing. Great job. That's why I start my class off. You're going to be better at seeing these and doing something about it. And it could be by building things or you're going to be walking down the street or it's going to be in your family and you're going to make a difference. And so we can make a difference whether you're using tools or not making tools. And that I think is what's so relatable to the kids because they're like, oh, I took this class because all oh, my friends were taking it, you know? Uh, so I just think that knowing that they can make a difference is what really, you know, makes them want to be there. And Absolutely. you have created lifetime memories for these children. You, mm. You've done that, Brian. Keep, mm. keep soaring. <laughs> Love good. it. Brian, thank you Love it. so much for your time. This has been way more impactful than I was even mm. hoping for. So thank you, my friend. <laughs> Me too. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, blessings to you. It's been a pleasure, Brian. And we um, look forward to working with you again in the near future, just to kind of touch bases. But it's been awesome. And as you go into a new school year, just remind yourself of what you have decided to do to help God's children. Whenever you feel discouragement, because discouragement has a funny little way of trying to sneak in to stop progress, but it's never effective. Tell the children to keep building and to keep finding needs because they're quite capable of solving those problems. Love it, Brian, love it. I will, thank you. Mm. Thank you so much. 
You have a great day. All right. Bye. Thank you. Hope you guys soon.